Pastor Xavier Reese and the highest calling of a child of God. Every Christian is called and endowed with certain gifts of the Spirit of God to serve the body of Christ and to reach the lost through the Word. Every Christian has to deal with the culture and the people around them. You never let the culture set the agenda. You set the agenda by the Word of God. God sets the agenda. God's not here to transform culture. He's here to transform people. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Helen Keller once said, We may have found a cure for most evils, but have found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. Today, Pastor Xavier reveals what happens when a nation becomes content with the pursuit of apathy rather than a relationship with God. Right now, it's time for today's Simple Truths in a message named with the essential reminder, God hears and sees everything. Have you ever seen a dog that just eats and lays around and, you know, he lays around and people come over and put their head over the fence or the door and he just kind of lifts his head but he won't even bark? This was the picture of the people of God in the days of Haggai. Complacent and uncommitted to God. The message of Haggai is to the people of God because their indifferent apathy had just grabbed the whole of them. And it's characterized by three important things. Let me read our text here. Haggai chapter 1. He says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, The people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, for yourselves, to dwell in your panel houses in this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put him into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a temple. And I'm, that I may make, take pleasure in it and be glorified. Thus says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because my, of my house that is in ruins while you, every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens, Above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds the fruit. For I call for a drought on the land, and the mountains, on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. 
on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. The message of Haggai to the people of God about their indifferent apathy is characterized by the following three things. First, we have the courageous prophet Haggai in verse 1. Second, we have the carefree time of Haggai that will look at the history to put it in the historical background of perspective. And then thirdly, the complacent people are confronted by Haggai, and that's verses 2 down to 15. Let's begin with the courageous prophet Haggai. Verse 1. Notice the man Haggai was a man like any other man. We get so caught up in thinking that God uses perfect people and some of these guys were just so far above us or unlike us. No, they were just like you and I. Fallen men and women. No different. Listen to the words. In the second year of Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the Gentile king was Darius, Hystaspas, 521, to 486. We're coming down in history, okay? This is the date. The king of Persia, not to be confused with King Darius in the days of Daniel. Completely different. Now, the date is September the 1st, 520 BC. Remember the Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon began the times of the Gentiles. He was the head of gold. God showed Nebuchadnezzar the image, a great image. Head of gold, Babylon, absolute ruler in Daniel 2, 23. Jesus speaks about the time of the Gentiles that it runs all the way till the rapture of the church in Luke 21, 24. The Gentiles are in control. The kingdom of Persia was the second, the chest and the arms of silver. Each metal degrades, it's inferior, and God declared the kingdoms of the world that would come before they even took place, prophecy. The prophecies during this period are no longer dated then by the Jewish kings, but they're Gentile kings. But the months are still based on the Jewish religious calendar. April is the first month in the Jewish calendar. You have two calendars in the Jewish. You have the civil and the religious calendar. April is the first month, and that's what it's dated for. So about 18 years had passed since Cyrus had decreed the first return in 538 B.C., the fulfilled prophecy of bringing them back from the captivity. Jeremiah 25, 12 records that. Ezra 1, 1 also confirms this. Now, notice the man Haggai was given a message from God. The phrase, the word of the Lord, in all capital, that refers to the divine revelation of God. The mind, the will of God, made known to man to communicate to other individuals. That's the way God works. These were normal human beings that were called out. The word Lord, Yahweh, is a covenant. The covenant title of the covenant God. The one who had brought them out of Egypt. The one who had led them into the promised land. The one who put them in the captivity. The one who now brought them back. And the instrument God chooses to reveal his word is indicated by the statement came to Haggai, the prophet. Once again, we have studied many of the major prophets, the majority of the minor prophets. Haggai is one of the last uh, three. And the word Haggai or the name Haggai means festive or feast. Some speculate that he might have been born on one of the national feasts. It's possible with the fact that he speaks from September to December during the time when there were the major feasts. 
So maybe their, their speculation may have something to do with it. You have the Feast of Trumpets on October the 1st. You have the Feast of Yom Kippur or Atonement on October the 10th. And you have the Feast of Tabernacles October 15th to the 22nd. Now, some say Haggai is a shortened form of the word Haggai. Haggai. In other words, the last part of it is the Yah. And you have the affiliation with the name of God, which means festival of Yahweh. They're great names. Haggai is given a title. It is that of a prophet. The word prophet appears five times to mean that he is the spokesman for God. It, it's seen in verse 1, verse 3, verse 12, then in chapter 2, verse 1 and 10. Five times his words are said to be the divine of divine origin. In other words, these were not his words. And he makes this clear in verse 1 again, 3, 2, 1, 2, 10, 2, 20. So as you look to study the word, you always want to make sure whether it's the, it's the words of Haggai or the word of God. Okay, they're always the source in heaven. God is the one that's speaking through the man. Eight times he uses the formulas. Thus speaks or says the Yahweh of hosts. The captain of the armies of heaven. When that title is used, God is not in good favor with the people he's addressing. Okay? And he's never lost a battle. Right now the people of God are not in a good state with him. That's why he's sending the prophet. You also have the phrase, says the Lord. So you find these two phrases in chapter 1, verse 2, verse 5, 7, 13, 2, 4, 11, 14, and 17. There's only two chapters to this book. That's it. 38 verses. Notice he was the mouthpiece of Yahweh for the people of God. This was his primary function. Sometimes people think of a prophet, his primary function to reveal future things. No. The Bible says a prophet's primary function and responsibility first was to be the mouthpiece of God. The kings, the priests, the people had gone astray from God. So God would raise up a prophet apart from the kings and the priests to call back the people of God. That's the primary function of a prophet. And often they would be killed for that. A courageous man. When this comes to Haggai, he's not confronting people that are friendly right now, okay? Whenever you have to deal with anybody, whether it be your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, or a friend, or a family member, you know, the first thing is, well, who do you think you are? Your first response is not, well, I want to thank you for just rebuking me. That's not your first thing. Okay? And then secondary, they would sometimes give future predictions. But the primary is to be the mouthpiece of God, to call people back to repentance, as we'll see. Now, he stood in a long line of... Imperfect men, fallen men, but courageous because, again, they had to know that they were called and anointed by God. Because the prophet had to be 100% correct or they could stone him. Okay? There was no room for error. There was not, well, I think God spoke to me. What? Either he did or he didn't. And even as they knew and they proclaimed it, often they would be killed for their message because the people were hostile. It's one thing to speak to people that are kind and civil and, you got, you know, I have it easy here. You guys, nobody's hostile. But what do we do in a hostile environment? You ever been there? I've been there. It's a whole different thing. Completely. Haggai is one of the 12 minor prophets. He was the 10th that spoke in chronological order. He's the first of the post-captivity minor prophets. There's three. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. He may have been born in exile. But he could have been born also prior to the captivity. 
This is 520 BC. So if he was born in Babylon after the last siege of 586 BC, he would be around 56 years old, I figured out. And then if he was four to eight years old before that last captivity siege, then he would be 60 to 64. If he was taken from the first one just at 20 years, then that would make him 80 and then the other one's 84. Yeah, yeah, it would be 76 and, and 84. So, I mean, somewhere in there. But it's possible that he might have been real young because in chapter 2, verse 3, he's going to say, uh, those of you who saw the glory of the first temple and comparing it to the meager state of this one. So it's possible. We're not sure. Now, the man Haggai, notice, was to declare the prophetic message to two individuals. In verse 1 here. The first person is Rubabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah. The name Zerubbabel means sown in Babylon, indicating that most likely he was born in Babylon, in exile. The books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther complement this book because they're at the same time. And the book of Daniel also helps us out. So you should read those books. They're not that long. And um, the lineage of Zerubbabel is said to be known as the son of Sheltiel, which means I have asked of God. These are great names. The genealogies record Padiah was his father and Sheltiel his uncle. So how do we reconcile those things in 1 Chronicles 3, 17 through 19 and Deuteronomy 25 and Jeremiah 22, 30 says he would be childless. How do we reconcile these things? It could be that by comparing those things that this was a, a livrate marriage. In other words, according to the Levitical law, we remember that if a, a, a man had a wife and he died childless, then his brother was to take his wife and the first son he would have would be according to the name of his brother, so his name would not be be wiped out. So literally, your dad would be your uncle and your dad. Now, we're not talking about banjo, baby. We're talking about, you know, delivery. There's a different law, okay? It's a little different here, okay? So, again, we try to make sense with what we have, and we have to search the scriptures, and that's a very possible possibility here. Now, Zerubbabel was the grandson of Jehoiachin, also named Coniah. And Coniah, or Jeconiah, because some of the kings have two names, he's a descendant of David through King Jehoiakim. Remember, he had Jehoiahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and then Zedekiah, okay, when we studied Jeremiah. And so, examining all these things, so you have here the kingly line. It's important they're coming back. The Davidic line is here. Now, Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah. And governors are so important because they look after the good of the people to make sure that there's not corruption, that make sure that people aren't taking advantage of others. And so good leaders are so important. Fathers, you are the head of your home. Your son, your daughter is looking to you. Moms, you, while dad's gone, you are there as, God, as God's representative through your, your uh, husband. And you're both there to be one and to lead your home by the word of God. Your children are, are looking, they're listening. He was the one responsible for all this and he was anointed by God to do so. And he was appointed by Cyrus in 537 BC, Ezra 5.14 tells us. But God was in control. God was doing all these things. He was acting. 
Now the second person is Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And the name Joshua, as you know, is a contraction of Yahweh Shua, Jehovah's salvation or Yahweh's salvation. And the name Joshua in the Hebrew, when translating to the Greek, it's Jesus. Both of them mean Yahweh is salvation. The angel came to Mary and says he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. The name Joshua is son of Jehozadak, which means Yahweh is righteous. Great names. Great names. He was the grandson of Hilkiah, the high priest, if you remember. They found the scroll in the temple. The son of Sariah, the high priest. And so Joshua identifies here, uh, he's identified as the high priest, a long line of high priests. And yet, he had never officiated as high priest until now. Remember when we studied Ezekiel, Ezekiel was in the priestly line in the order, but he could never officiate because he went into captivity and God made him a prophet among the people while Daniel's in Shushan the palace. Okay? But yet then God took Ezekiel through a virtual reality, through the spirit, through the temple. <laughs> and showed him all the corruption of the altars and everything. So his line is long. You can find Hilkiah and also his other Sariah in First Chronicles 6.15. That's why the genealogies are important. People say, ah, oh, where did God put this here? You know, and people think that God put all those names and everything else. So when you can't sleep, you can turn to it and you can fall asleep. No, it's not that. And so you can compare the accuracy of God's word. Now he puts everything together. And so you have... The descendant of King David, the line of David, but you also have the line of Aaron, the king and the priest. Very, very important here. Spurgeon said, a man said to me, can you explain the seven trumpets of Revelation? Spurgeon says, no, but I can blow one in your ear and warn you to escape from the wrath to come. Another says, can you tell me when the end of the world will come? He said, no, but I can tell you how to be prepared for it, that you need not be afraid of it when the time comes. I can urge you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior so that you can wait with it with holy joy. That's why the proclamation of God's word is so important, ladies and gentlemen. If you've been a Christian for a long time, be careful you don't become complacent or indifferent. Oh, I already know that. I already heard that. The day that you stop smacking your lips for God's word, you are in trouble. When you do not desire God's word, Job says, I esteem God's word more than my daily substance. You stay away from God's word and it won't be good. It just won't. How often we have studied about these courageous men and women of the Bible, noting that they were just like us. It's just that we're up at bad now. We're at this historical time. Every Christian occupies a certain period of history. This is ours. I don't like it, but we're right on schedule. I just don't like the schedule, but it's okay. Every Christian has a set amount of time to live. 
You know, when I first came to the Lord, I was 23, and I figured, okay, I'll live to be 60 years old. So I just rounded off 20. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I threw away. In the next 20, I'll, Lord will teach me how to be a Christian and grow and be a father and a husband. And then maybe the last 20 years, God will use me effectively. Well, I'm been 67 this month. So when I turned 60, I trimmed it out. I go, okay, now I go to 70. So I trimmed it up in threes, now to 70. In three more years, I'm year 70, I'm going to put it down to five, and I'll put that in two years. Because that's the reality of it. Are you planning your life? What is your goal? What are your priorities? It's very important you live in reality. I don't have no death wish. But every one of us is going to die, some younger than others. Now, I could live to be 95 or 105. God help me, but I don't think God help anybody who's around me then. But, you know, every Christian has to deal with the culture and the people around them. You never let the culture set the agenda. You set the agenda by the word of God. God sets the agenda. God's not here to transform culture. He's here to transform people. Every Christian has to deal with this. And every Christian is called and endowed with certain gifts of the Spirit of God to serve the body of Christ and to reach the lost through the word. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are not seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. And so we live with this reality. I mean, we all start out like grace. We end up like raisins. I mean, that's the reality of it, you know? Sometimes people come to me and say, oh man, you, you haven't changed. I go, did I look this bad 20 years ago? <laughs> Let's get serious here, okay? The message is always the same, never changes. The source is always God's word. People today in the emergent church and other things, they're looking for this new thing by experience or changing the vocabulary and reinterpreting and trying to redefine the Christian and the church. Get away from them. Reprove them. Give them the word of God. But do not be sucked into that black hole. The standard and authority is always God's. The purpose is always to benefit God's people. Get them in line with God's word. The glory is always God. Can you handle that? The problem is we want the glory. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we, do, we have this treasure in this earthen vessel that the excellence may be of, and the power may be of God, not of ourselves. This vessel, for God to be seen, must be broken. We get so enamored with the vessel, we start identifying God with the vessel. You must separate the two. And yet God is using the vessel. The vessel is not God. The problem is not God. It's the vessel. The people we are to minister to with the will of God is at the direction of God. As you fellowship, as you read, as you study, as you ask Him to direct and guide you. Those that are not saved and are hostile. We live in a very peaceful nation to an extent, but now it's getting kind of funky. Alright? We just read about this stuff. Okay? The natives are restless. And Christians are a target. So you better be loaded up with spiritual ammo. Those who are saved, to instruct them, to encourage them. Those believers that are in sin, out of fellowship, that you confront them, you pray for them. You call them back. 
Not worry about what they're going to think about you. Jeremiah 1, 6 through 9. Then said I, all Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go and all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Pastor Xavier Reese, and a reminder that the days of judgment are near. Vital, simple truths drawn from the minor prophet Haggai today. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled, God Hears and Sees Everything. As always, they're available for just $4.00. And make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for once again is, God Hears and Sees Everything. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com